I mean, he's been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting In Work, episode 79 of the interview podcast on the 8-Bit Collective, powered by Audio Technica. This week, we've got Chris Waters on the show. Chris is a guy. He's a friend of mine. We do a little show called Split Screen Together that's up on his YouTube channel, Generation Play. He is the founder of Generation Play, which started off as a community of gamers in the Geelong and Melbourne region. Uh, Chris started it as a way to interact with other fans of video games in person, doing social activities, which was a big focus of our conversation about how that's important for people to do, to have that you know face-to-face connection. Uh, but then it expanded and just grew into something where he's actually creating a whole lot of content for this thing called Generation Play and the whole process of reaching out to publishers and developers and getting codes for games and getting free games, which is a childhood dream, of course. And uh, just how he's kind of grown those contacts and connections over time to a point where he's able to review a lot of big games and the community is now there to interact with each other, but also to consume his content that he's putting out for them on a very regular basis. As a day job, Chris works for Chalk Chip Media, which is a digital marketing agency here in Geelong. And he was actually kind enough to have me into his home studio to record this podcast where we do all of the split screen and generation play content together. So Chris and I actually started this show split screen, which was for a radio station in Geelong that was getting off the ground, kind of a trial of an online youth station. And while it's getting its feet going, we've been continuing that show for his channel. It's monthly, it's topical, and it's using kind of news in video games to springboard into conversations and larger discussions about those issues rather than just having to be topical because it is only once a month. So it's been a lot of fun and it's been great to get to know Chris over the past six months or so and collaborate and do a bit of content together. If you're one of Chris's friends or members of the Generation Play community, it'd be awesome if you could leave an iTunes review after you listen to this show to really help the show out. And I'll probably see you around the Generation Play Facebook group because that's a, a great place to hang out on the internet. So without further ado, here is Chris Waters from Generation Play. Enjoy the show. Uh, Thank you for hosting me today, Chris. It's good to be recording in an actual studio. No, my pleasure. It's always good when I don't have to worry about the sound and (laughs) mics and all that kind of thing. Well, I don't imagine you actually do it often where you're actually in the same room as someone. Um, Yeah, there's been a number of like... A good number of local people, like friends and that kind of thing, I've got onto the show. But yeah, the majority of them have started to become over Google Hangouts and that kind of thing, which is funny because at the start, I didn't even realize that was an option. But after like 10 episodes, I figured it out. <laughs> the magic. It just, unlocked, yeah, it just unlocks this whole world of, of talent out there. Level up. <laughs> exactly. So, Chris, for people that don't know, maybe you run through Chalk Chip Media because that's your job during the day. Yep. And then we'll go into Generation Play, which is your job at night <laughs> when night. you turn into Batman. In the night times. <laughs> um, so, I am the director of a digital agency called Choc Chip Digital, and we essentially provide digital services, uh, ideally more, mostly to local businesses in Geelong here in Australia. Uh, but So, things like website design, online marketing, um, production of digital assets, uh, video production, things like that. So... Most of our clients are small to medium size and we've got a small staff so we, we stay small and lean so that we're a bit of a family and I've been in the business now for mm, six years I think. That's Chalk Chip uh, and then Generation Play is essentially, well I don't know, it's, it's hard to explain. It's multiple things. Well let's talk about how it started Yeah, maybe. 
So how? So, so um, let's maybe go back in time a little bit. You know, this is your life. So uh, you grew up in Geelong. Grew up in Geelong. Playing yes. a lot of video games. Playing heaps of video <laughs> games. So first console was a SNES. Uh, and I go over to my friend's house and play like... Oh, actually, it was a NES. My friend had a NES. I played that. Just like I think games like Legend, like Legend of Zelda and Duck Hunt and games like that. And then I, I bought a SNES and was just obsessed with that for years. And then moved on to PS1, PS2, PS3. Had a bit of a stint with Wii there for, and Xbox 360 and then back to PS4. Nice. Saw the light. <laughs> so... You know, growing up, I guess you were playing a lot of games with your friends, playing a lot of couch co-op, probably with your brother, yep. watching each other play. Yeah. And then I guess as you get older, did you find yourself becoming more isolated as a gamer? Yeah, isolated is actually a good way of looking at it. So I've always managed to keep my passion and love towards video games intact, which is great. I've never, like, I've never stopped playing video games or played less in different parts of my life. I've been very intentional about that. But at the same time, I have felt like. There's been this shift from couch co-op to online and I never really, although I do a lot of work online, I've never really felt a connection to other players online. And I can't, I've been involved in the online boom with video games, online multiplayer, even like right from the start with games like Half-Life and Counter-Strike and Team Fortress. And But I've never really felt com- camaraderie, I guess is a, mm. is a good word to explain that. So it was... Maybe three years ago, I've been married for, I don't know, maybe five years at that point, had two kids. And then I said to my wife, like, we need to get out of the house. Like, we need <laughs> we need time, like, just for each other. Like, you have your time, you go do your thing, I'll have my time and I'll go do my thing. And my wife went off and did uh, jiu-jitsu uh, once, one night a week. And I was like, I want to go look for a video game community because like, I want to meet other gamers. I want to share this passion with people the same age as me, um, that kind of thing. And uh, I couldn't find one. I couldn't find one in Geelong. And I'm like, well, that's strange. Like, I know that there's lots of other gamers out mm. there. So why can't I find it? And so then I said, I'll just look further abroad to Melbourne, further abroad to Melbourne. <laughs> um, and, and I found it difficult to find even communities in Melbourne that weren't driven by some ulterior like motive, like content creation or sure. or some media group or whatever. Or like maybe really specific into a certain game or Yeah, or, or developers or things like yeah. that. I couldn't find just gamers. And so I'm like, well, if I can't I if I can't join one, I'll just make one. And so that's how Generation Play was born. Cool. And what was the idea? Uh, so at the start, it was let's just literally hijack every single Geelong Facebook <laughs> trading and <laughs> buying group uh, that that's geared towards video games and just invite people to join a shared space and throw around ideas. And we did that for about three months and then the group got to about 100 people and I'm like, okay, we have critical mass now. Let's start meeting. And then we started meeting and it was tiny at the start. We had, I think the first meeting we had at my house and there was like five people less, three people or something like that. And what happened at these meetings? <laughs> <laughs> I love the implied inverted commas there. <laughs> meetings. Uh, I mean, did you play Mario Party or did you just talk about games? Like well, what was... I was... I was actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was trying to plan and think, well, what is the structure going to be? What are people going to want to do? And I'm like, well, we have to have games. Like surely everyone's going to want to play games. That's what we all love and mm. do. So I busted my butt to try and get all these like TVs and consoles. And I had like six consoles and six different <laughs> screens. And people came and I'm like, well, I've got to put on a feed. So I went and got pizza. And then everyone got there and no one wanted to play. Everyone just wanted to talk. Yeah. So we ended up just talking for like five or six hours into the night. Um, and we were singing like uh, at the end of it, we were all like buddy buddies singing Black Flag sea shanties. And like it just got really strange. In fact, Generation Play and Singing are kind of like 
they're always together for some strange reason. Uh, but yeah, that's that's how it started. We were just we just meet, and then it kind of evolved into we used Chalk Chip Space for a while, uh, and then we had like theme nights where it's like let's go play Fortnite and have a bunch of people over, or or a certain game would launch and we would get it early so we could then give people previews, or um, that's kind of how the the meetings evolved. That's really cool. And why do you think it's uh, been successful in terms of becoming what you set out to do? Uh, I think people want to meet. Like people want to actually, pe- let me rephrase that. People don't want to meet <laughs> <laughs> until they do it and then they realize how awesome it is. Yeah. And they they realize that they find the value in relationships and true kind of friendships that you just can't get online as much as you say you can, as much as you have that clan that you go out with and you mm. you know you squat up and you play like that's that's different from meeting in real life and having a beer and talking about why Spyro is going to be awesome and reminiscing about past Spyro games and like that's just it's just different so the trick is getting people to the meeting that's hard that's like, that's like pulling teeth um, <laughs> but once you get them there then then everything changes sure okay and generation play has clearly evolved since then to become more of a well content Mm. creation youtube channel everything i guess so when was that an organic thing or how did that work as part of generation play with the community side yeah so uh probably a few things just first and foremost it's just probably an extension of my love for content creation like i've always created content always loved photography and videography and uh, always want to learn new things and upskill in that space just personally. So I knew that when we were going to create this video game community uh, and it was going to start local and then we were going to try and seed it nationally, that uh, we would need some way to pique people's interest and engage them, whether they're coming to the event or in between events. And so we thought, well, let's just do some YouTube content creation because that's fun and we all love playing games and doing funny challenges and stuff. And so uh, me and a, f- a few of the initial members just started rocking up to Chuck Chip uh, once a week and filming content. And then uh, it went through an interesting transition whereby, uh, so there was a couple of other guys involved at the start um, during you know, kind of early days, not right from the start, but, you know, within the first maybe six months, mm. uh, a guy called James and a guy called McLovin, uh, sorry, Christopher McLovin. <laughs> his, his love is his last name, but McLovin yep. is his name. We'll just go with McLovin. We'll go with McLovin. Uh, it's fun to say. Yeah, I know it is. And so we would get together once a week and film content, but then it kind of became this chore because we would start asking for codes from publishers and then feel an obligation to film that content. And then we wanted to grow the community online because we saw value there. But we're like, well, how many videos do we produce per week? And we just got tangled up in the production side of it and we stopped meeting for fun and st- and pretty much going into the core values of what we were trying to achieve yeah. in the first place. And so there's a little bit of weird tension there and uh, it's actually, in in some senses, it's it's more difficult for three people to make content than just one person, right. which sounds bizarre. But with video content, when you're thinking and you're planning and you're trying to make decisions together and then it's like, well, who's going to edit it and who's going to do this, who's going to do that? When it's just one person, it's just like, I'll do it. I'll do it all. Yeah. Like you can just streamline it and you can do it during your own time and it was just easier. So we tried juggling with the formula and, you know, having time set aside for just the recording and then time set aside for hanging out. But it just got difficult. And at the end I said, guys, feel free. If this is a burden, like let's put our friendship first and like just be released from this. Don't feel like you have to do this. And so they end up just stepping back and uh, still friends and still hang out. And, uh, and then I kind of took on just the content creation itself and, Really, that's where it's evolved to now where we do a lot of content creation for a number of reasons. 
but I mean, <laughs> this sounds funny. You love getting free games. I <laughs> love getting, like this is, I know I've spoken to you about this before, but I was at E3, uh, not E3, I was at PAX um, two years ago and Generation Play was quite young at that point. And we had, uh, we didn't have media passes. We'd bought tickets, but then our friend Ethan, who's an amazing modder, an Australian modder, and that was really the packs where he his business exploded. He he had a booth and he gave us booth tickets. So we went and we oh, got yeah. early access and we went to like the, the after parties and stuff. And I remember talking to a streamer and uh, he's saying, oh, I've seen your content. It's great. Like, why, don't, why didn't you review this game? And I was like, oh, well, because I didn't own it. Like, I didn't go out and buy that game. Uh, and he's like, why don't you like ask for games for free? And I was like, what, what, do, you what? what do you mean? Like, and he's like, you can go and you connect the publisher and you ask for the game and then you produce the content. And if they're happy with the content, they'll keep working with you. And so I thought that's ridiculous. And, I, and I'm like, well, where do you find these elusive emails? And he showed me some tricks and I ended up emailing someone from a, a publisher from my phone that afternoon. And within an hour of sending the email, I got a code and my eyes like lit up and I had this childhood fantasy of <laughs> free video games became a reality. And I, I love that. Like I, I love creating content. I love playing games and this is a great like self-serving little cycle <laughs> that yeah. encourages that. It's cool. And I've seen your contact list as you've brought me in to do some stuff with generation play. And it's very impressive. You've been able to build this up over time. So how has that process been? Like what have you learned in that time of trying to make contacts and network with the different publishers who hold the keys, I guess, because it's it's like the it's a whole world that's hard to understand when you're on the outside of yeah. like what's the difference between the developer and a publisher, and then there's the PR agencies, and which ones do you go direct to the yeah, and there's indies and AAAs and how like yeah. yeah. Well, it just it really started with just literally reaching out to some some contacts that I could find on the internet. So I just reached out and started to establish relationships and watched a few YouTubes, uh, YouTubes <laughs> on like how you should present yourself as a content creator and the types of things that you should ask and how you should ask. But most of it was just trial and error, and I still don't know if I have the right formula, but it seems to work. Mm. Um, but so you get in the door with a few of those. And then what happens is that they put you on their mailing lists and then they give those mailing lists to other agencies. So now the list grows organically, naturally, that I'll get an email saying, hey, do you want this code for this game? And I'm like, I have no idea who you are. <laughs> um, but I'll look at the the agency in question and the game and go, all right, I'll copy and paste that into my little database. And now I know from next time when I want a game from Nicholas or when I want a game from Deep Silver, then you're the, the contact. Sure. But it's also about finding... The contacts, something I discovered early on is you have a better chance of getting content from the local providers, which is difficult in Australia because there's not as many. Uh, so it's all about finding the right person. And as you said, it can be straight. Sometimes it's straight from the developer. Very rarely, but sometimes you can get it straight from the developer. More than likely, you'll get it from a publisher who's publishing the game. So mm -hmm. they're paying for the game. They're paying to promote the game. They essentially own. Distribute. Yeah. yeah, they own the license most often the case um so a publisher and then if it's not a publisher it's the next level up which is like a pr agency employed by the publisher um it gets confusing and muddy where sometimes the publisher is the pr agency <laughs> and is the developer so like in the case of sony like they self-publish and they have their own studios uh so they have their own well actually they're a bad example nintendo a great example they publish their own stuff so part of nintendo they have a pr division and a contact there for Australia that you reach out to. So, yeah, that's kind of hmm. 
how it works. And there's a bit strange. of a hustle involved in it as well, I'm sure. Like I remember you telling me about how you originally first got onto Sony's contact. Is that something that you can talk about? <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? So I was I was trying to track down Sony. I'm like, who who like has the rights to give me Sony codes basically? Yeah. And I couldn't. Top shelf. Yeah, and I googled and googled and googled. I think like you know Sony um, PR agency Australia or whatever. And sometimes these these PR agencies advertise. Like you literally go to their site. And it's like who we work with, and they'll say like Nike, Netflix. But um, a lot of the time they don't. And so it's only through a relationship or if you can do a sneaky. And I did a sneaky. So I I searched for this. I was reading an article one day and it was um, the CEO of Sony Entertainment Australia I think what's his name Michael it's changed in the last couple yeah it has recently so changed um, I, I can't remember his name originally but it's Michael something and I was like okay he, um, you know what screw trying to go down this rabbit hole and not get anywhere I'm just <laughs> going to email him and so I just typed in his name and um, looked for every article I could find and try and find a reference to his email couldn't find it but then found one of his co-workers email address which followed the, a similar naming convention like you know name and name dot dot at sony at sony dot you know dot or whatever it is and i was like gotcha and i just emailed him um and he was awesome he was like oh thanks for reaching out and <laughs> and he was he was really genuine and he's like you know i'll hook you up and then he hooked me up like I got hooked up. He like, didn't just handball you off. He actually was no. Enthusiastic. He was he was actually enthusiastic and genuine. And he's like, you know, great to see you. You know, look, you know, trying to find me and trying to connect. And look, I'll connect you on. And I waited, and it was like a week, and I hadn't heard anything. So in my time, a week's a long time, but in a PR agency, mm. weeks like I could blink of an eye. But I him back saying, hey, I haven't heard back from them. And he's like, here I'll CC the person in. And I was like, this is awesome. So uh, yeah, sometimes it happens like that. Uh, I mean, there's there's another great, uh, I guess, what do you call it? Uh, a tool that you can use online tool called GamePress, mm. which you can uh, choose to subscribe to, and they'll um, basically vet you. And if they believe that you're a valid, interested party, they can connect you to their database. Right. And it's old and it's super historic, but you can sometimes get your foot like an initial kind of foot along the right path by using that reference mm. as a guide to. Yeah, it's interesting that there's a lot of like tools and tricks of the trade i guess mm. yeah and uh, you've learned them all in a couple of years oh i don't know if i learned them all i'm trying to, i'm trying to like look sometimes it, at the end of the day uh, you you can reach out to a public there's still publishers that we work with mm. that are hesitant to give us stuff um for the most part everyone's awesome everyone's happy i mean i, th- I think about it this way like if i produce a video and some content and you get i don't know 500 views and more than one person buys that game, like two people buy that game from your review, you've just sold a game. Mm. Like, what have you lost? It's a digital code most time, so you've lost absolutely nothing. Bandwidth. Yeah, you've lost <laughs> bandwidth, exactly. You've lost time sending me an email, yeah. um, which is probably an automated email with just insert, you know, MailChimp name. <laughs> yeah, here's your code. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, and so and like you know, let's be honest. You're gonna have more than two people from 500 people who's gonna buy the game anyway, um, based on your review if it's a good review. So, um, but still, some some publishers are harder to get in t- get in touch with mm-hmm. uh, or, or convince than others. And you, we just keep working on them, and sure. we just keep growing, and eventually get to the point where they'll be like, "Yay, you are at a sufficient level that we will engage you." <laughs> That's cool. So, how do you balance, I guess, your love for getting free stuff mm. with 
the initial concept of building a community? Because I imagine that sometimes you're more focused on one than the other and there's probably been different times where yeah. that ratio has shifted. Yeah. So at the moment, it's certainly shifted in the content creation uh, and it shifted uh, primarily because when James and McLovin left, it was like, okay, now I'm, I've gone from three people to one person. And James was fantastic at leading the charge with organizing events mm. and he was really good at that. And we recognized that there were skills there and leadership there and just like he could just get people. Personality like, for Personality. It, yeah. He was a connector. He was fantastic. He's a fantastic people person. Mm-hmm. And so it, we leveraged that and said like you go and you lead that community arm and I'll focus on content creation, which I did. And so when James McLovin left, it was like, okay, now I've, I've got to make a decision. Like, do I push the community as hard as we were previously, or do I just keep doing what I can do, which is video and content? And and then I started to move in the content direction and and do. We've had a few meetups since then, um, but it's moved more to like once a quarter as opposed to once a term. I think it sure. was previously, and I've tried to pull in some of the more enthusiastic community members to help me with that uh, job, and so. We did something at um, the local jail. A um, what do you call it? What's that program? Um, oh, it's like a treasure hunt kind of thing. Oh, like a escape room. Yeah, escape room. That's it. So we did an escape room thing, and we've done a few other different stuff since then. But yeah, it, I mean that's one of the reasons why we've moved a little bit away from actually getting together. Sure. But I mean, also it means I can do stuff like this. Like I'll I'm doing a heap more one-on-one stuff with people from the community. Yeah. Or it'd be like, do you live in Geelong? Come, are you interested in this game? Do you want that game? Here's that yeah. game. And then come back to me in two weeks' time and let's film it. Hmm. And you can film it and I'll sit with you and I'll ask the questions. Uh, and that's been a great way that I can do both, like leverage my ability to get get con codes, yeah. give it to you for free, and then you come film it. Everyone wins. As long as it's not a game that you want to play. <laughs> Keep those codes to yourself. There's, you're making me sound so selfish, man. No, uh, I was going to say before we got into that, uh, like my the first content that we did together was a community podcast, I guess, where it was yeah. you hosting and then me and two others from the Facebook group, I guess, were just talking. I think it was like uh, game of the year kind of yep. or the news, like the year in gaming or something like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, like, that's another kind of way that you're in, involving the community in your content, which is cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, it's, I, I don't want Generation Play to ever be about me which sounds strange considering I do most of the work, but I've always wanted it to be a place where people can connect. And the only reason most of the content features me is because... It's easier. Uh, it's easier and <laughs> yeah. I'm the one producing it. At the end of the day, yeah. um, like I'm married, I have two kids under five, I have a job, I have other hobbies and interests that take time during the week and... Split screen. Yeah, split screen. <laughs> uh, like I, It's just like music stuff that I'm yeah. involved in. And it's just it's just very very difficult to manage all of that, and sometimes it's just easier to go here. Can I have a game? Yep, I'll produce a review for you. I can just jump down to my studio and mm. record it. Yeah, we're all we're all very busy, so anything that makes making content easier, you kind of gotta think of that sometimes. So in terms of the community side of it, or maybe just in general, what has been the hardest part of building Generation Play to what it is at the moment? The hardest thing, mm, greatest really challenge. Yeah, I think actually, you know, what? going back to the conversation we were just having about James McLovin, that was probably the hardest thing is balancing friendship and leadership and, you know, co-producing stuff because Generation Play was established 
initially to create friendships. Yeah. And it did that straight away. Like I uh, remember putting the feelers out there to people in Geelong saying, hey, let's start this video game community. And James was one of the people who initially responded saying, hey, I'm relatively new in Geelong. I'm, this is exactly what I've been looking for. I'm looking to make friends. Let's go out for coffee. And straight away, I was like to my wife, this guy's a freak. I am not catching up with him. There's no way in hell. And then, he got back to you so eager. Yeah. <laughs> and my wife like literally slapped me and said, Chris, you're an idiot. This is exactly what you wanted. Yeah. Go catch up for coffee. And we did. And we hit it off immediately. Like We spent like five hours in a coffee shop talking about No Man's Sky and how excited we were for it. <laughs> <laughs> All the journey we've come across. But um, so I immediately made a really good friend and our friendship just blossomed from there. And so James and I would always say, if Generation Play finished tomorrow, it's been 100% successful in its goals. Like mm. we've established a friendship that we otherwise wouldn't have had because of Generation Play. And so the friendships are so important. So when James McLovin decided that they needed to step back, uh, managing that and maintaining the friendships was hard because it's like, how I don't want to feel like I'm being like betrayed, but I want to release you guys. But now what do I do? Like now we've got this expectation of all these people who come to these events monthly who want to keep doing that. Like it was just, that was difficult. Um, And a tribute to especially James and myself for for keeping our friendship vibrant. And look, it's, it's, you know, we haven't caught up as much as we would have liked, but we're both really busy and I just keep hounding him via text and we just (laughs) hang out like, you know, when we can. But yeah, that's probably been the hardest thing is managing sounds bizarre after all the work we put in to produce content and stuff that's actually the most difficult to maintain friendships and uh, it's easy to lose sight of what got you there at the start 100% and it's look again it comes down to a balance of what's easy and what can I do Um, what are the goals of this Uh, what part of the self-serving things are actually are good and okay Um, and and what are the things that I should have to sacrifice for to achieve that are also good Um, and finding the balance in there is is probably tricky as well sure so what would be your advice to people who want to get involved in the community but also you've got this other side where you're creating content so it's kind of the two different things you can speak to yeah so i mean if you want to produce content uh and you want to do that independently like i've like i don't pretend to have the keys to the kingdom but like i've got some years of learning that I wish someone had given me at the start mm. that I'm more than happy to share. Like, if you want to know the contact for Sony PR's agency, like, email e- me. Email the CEO. Yeah. <laughs> no, email me and I'll yeah. give it to you. Like, um, t- and tell them that I sent you. Uh, maybe not have like 50 people do that, but yeah. like. What's your email address? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, look, it's you can email press at generationplay.com.au and I'll answer it. Yeah. Um, similarly, yeah, if you want to catch up for coffee, like I, I come, like that's a, that's still my heart for this is to, is to have mm. that local connection. So in that space, um, feel free to use me as a resource. Uh, on the other, and and I want to meet more gamers too. So like I'm always, I always like love making new friends and that kind of thing. So happy to do that. Mm. On the flip side of it, if I can encourage anyone with just the idea of community and video games, seriously, just get off your butt and make contact with someone and just follow it up with a coffee. Hmm. Like it's it's so difficult. I, I mean, I was pushing for it. I was pushing to create a community and I found it difficult. How much more difficult is for someone who suffers from anxiety and who isolates themselves and video game is a retreat, hmm. but they have this passion that's something that they want to talk about, but they can't. Like it's, th- it's that much more difficult. But if I can encourage you, there is so much value 
in having a friendship with shared passions, uh, it's worth putting yourself out there and being a little bit uncomfortable for the sake of a risk. And hey, if you go out for coffee and it's super awkward and weird and nothing happens, like hey, you know what have you lost? Like nothing. But you can make a lifelong friendship, like I made, mm. um, just by being open to it. Yeah, that's really good, and I echo that too because I guess RTX last year, kind of first kind of funny community meetup I was part of, and I, you know it was the start of some potentially lifelong friendships in that, and also led to traveling to San Francisco with people. And meeting people over there who'd come from all over the world and all over the US and people I pretty much talk to every day on social media now. So yeah. it's um, you know, it's taking those steps to to meet people that you wouldn't otherwise meet because, you know, it's easy to talk to these people online. Yeah. It is. It's so easy. But a human connection is made when people break bread and they sit together and they yeah. laugh together, I think. And and I think I I hope you don't find offence in me saying this, but you're you're not a particularly outgoing person, just like <laughs> I am. Like you get a bit kooky in real life, like I'm kooky, but you took a risk and you sought a connection and you found it. Yeah, I'm definitely um, introverted. Like in a in, the funny thing is in that setting I'm not. Yeah. But in every other setting, I kind of prefer to listen to my podcast and yeah. not engage in the in the break room at work too much and yeah. kind of keep to myself. But yeah, in in those communities where these are my people, it's like I'm yeah. almost a different person. And that's look, that's a I love that phrase. It's like these are my people. Mm. These are the people that understand me. Uh, these are the people that talk my language. These are people that we can talk for hours and hours on end about the new God of War game, like. And and the minute details that are otherwise un, you know not interesting to anyone else like there's there's real connection you can make there. Yeah. And, and that's it, pretty much how this happened. Like our friendship and yeah. what we're doing with split screen and generation play. It was you just messaging me and saying, "Do you want to grab a coffee?" Yeah. Because I heard that you're into podcasting and games. Yeah. I was like, "There's some shared interests. Like, <laughs> let's let's meet and find out. Yeah, how deep the hole can go." So. Yeah. Good. Cool. Uh, and. Last question for you. If you could do anything and know that you wouldn't fail, what would you do? (laughs) Wow, that is an abstract, open-ended question. If I could do anything and know that I wouldn't fail. (sighs) I would love to... This sounds so like staged given my conversation, (laughs) uh, but I'm going to say it and it's so short-sighted, but you've caught me in an awkward moment. Go for it. I would love to have the time, like a couple of years, to make my own video game. From start to finish, the score, to create all the visual assets, to program it, to think about the mechanics, and then to self-publish it. Yeah. I would love that. What uh, kind of game would it be? It'd probably be like a... Like an 8-bit... Uh, yeah, 8-bit Zelda, something. Call it, kind of. Yeah, yeah like Axiom Verge or something. Yeah. I mean, people do it. I mean, they, they might have a background in, in game development, yeah. but they do it. Yeah. <laughs> do you have, um, I know that obviously you've got like a, a design and, and creative background, but have you done any of the programming or anything like that? Yeah. So I, I, um, I can program in C Sharp and HTML, JavaScript and CSS and PHP, but they're not really video game. Although C Sharp can be, they're not really video game programming languages. So the fundamentals and the concepts are transferable yeah. but not the languages themselves so yeah. I use it for not even as much now as I used to because my job is more top level management than anything else but I um, yeah 
every, every game dev that I've had on this podcast, when I've asked what's your advice to people who want to do it, they always say, download Unity and play around mm. and start there. Give it a crack, yeah. And from you know the way that they talk about it, it makes it sound like it's not this huge hurdle. No, it's so much more accessible than it used to be. Like there's there's graphical interfaces and things like you never used to. You literally, you'd previously you'd, you'd open up like Notepad and you'd start writing code. Like you, you, it's very very kind of fundamental core. You're writing modules that then instruct other modules, and like it's it's not now where you can literally just draw into a world and create a three D space and then grab a avatar and start walking around in it. Yeah. Like, so much of games, are, like maybe like 80% of them are, are pre-written before you even start putting your own stamp on them. Like, hmm. The other thing I will say, and you can cut this out later if it's too long, <laughs> I would love to write a book, although I'm horrible at writing. <laughs> I love literature. I read probably at least an hour a day. Uh, I love fantasy. I love sci-fi. But I have I lack the ability to construct language in a meaningful way on paper so i i, I have all these stories in my head uh Just write a video game yeah I know, right? a lot easier. i'll write the dialogue for a i'll edit game. it for you <laughs> you can write the forward to my video yeah game. or maybe you can make the game of the book that i've written yeah because you know i want <laughs> make I it middle gear solid i think it would make an awesome like telltale style game oh not telltale i don't know <laughs> not, not if you try telltale <laughs> If, if, some, if someone made a Spy in the Maven game, it would have a really easy platinum trophy. I'm just saying that. <laughs> uh, do we want to talk briefly about split screen since we're both here? Sure. So you give it your pitch. <laughs> Tell people what split screen is. Well, uh, do we know what split screen is? Split screen we essentially really is there's a platform called Mustard, which is an online streaming service. And we were both individually approached uh, by this platform, which is interesting. We have a, we, there is a shared connection. Um, it's not just abstract. Uh, we live locally and we know the person. But they approached us saying, hey, this, this is a, a young adults streaming service with a variety of content. You guys both do video game content. Do you want to produce something for that? And we said, yes, we will do it. It's called Split, split Screen. And what it will be is a topical uh, podcast-ish type interview <laughs> storytelling. It's basically a radio format correct show but show. we've decided to also film it throw yes. it up on generation plays youtube channel yeah which has also kind of led to us collaborating a bit more with some generation play content Definitely. which is good fun yeah um, and I'll, so what we like to do is springboard off the news into more abstract questions yeah so, so that it's a bit a bit more timeless so yeah. you know x and y just happened recently what are the implications this has Blah, 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 blah. And we hopefully we pick topics that we both have different opinions on and we can kind of kick it around a yep. bit. Uh, there's also a rant section where one of us has a bit of therapy and <laughs> just just yells at a microphone for five minutes. In a calm manner. Yeah. I mean, if you like Jono's brain and the way it works <laughs> uh, and you want to learn a bit more about my brain and the way it works. That's scary. And you like video games, then that is split screen. Mm. Cool. Well, thanks for having me. It's been really good to... Uh get in there in that brain and <laughs> learn all about generation play so hopefully we can uh, be part of a community event soon that'd be fun sounds good thank you for listening and thanks to audio technica you can find all of chris's content at generationplay.com.au that's the best place to find the facebook group the youtube channel it's all there so go check it out right now if you want to support this show you can leave an itunes review or pick up some sweet putting in work merchandise over at 8bit.net slash piw that's a-t-e-b-i-t 
And that's also where you can check out the rest of the awesome podcast content from the 8-Bit Collective for everything nerd culture. You can follow me on Twitter at Jono himself. And until next week, keep putting in work.